Hi, this is Dr. Mitzi Vargas. Welcome to the Pet Healer Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about healing with intention. And we are following my book, All Vet, the revolutionary pet care and longevity solution book. And uh, chapter four is very interesting because the power of intention could be linked to many things, um, prayer, meditation, um, anything that you put your mind into basically is intention, right? And, and why is that even in this book, right? Uh, it's because your thoughts are actually energy, made out of energy, and they send signals. And these signals um, have an influence in the world around you. And that's the concept that I'm working you know, from. And uh, it sounds new agey and kind of like uh, non-scientific, but there's a lot of research going on about intention healing. And uh, the, f- the first thing is to just think, what does it take for an animal to heal? It just takes so much. And in Chinese medicine, the personality, what you eat, the environment, stressors in the environment... Uh, really not just uh, physical stressors like allergens and pollutants and toxins, but the psychological stressors, you know, um, you know, torture, suffering, you know, happiness. And, and pets do have happy moments and, and uh, ov- obviously suffering moments. And so getting all of these things uh, should also include in, in, this, in this soup that affects the thoughts and the feelings and the healings uh, processes. We should also add the attitude of the doctor and the attitude of the owners. Because in the previous chapter, we talked about the energetic field and how we are all made out of energy and how our energy extends beyond our flesh and how those are that energy has waves of electromagnetic um, and electromagnetic waves and light waves, and they both carry information. And how that information merges, especially in close relationships like that of a pet, an owner, and doctor, veterinarian, and patient. And so that's what I'm going to explore today. And uh, I really it's it's part of my belief system that these things are true, and and that the science and research has gone about. Um, the placebo and uh, intention healing, um, they have produced pretty good, interesting results. And so, you know, the, what does even the relationship of the veterinarian has to do with, uh, with the pet healing either faster or better or better outcomes? I really think it has a lot to do. Again, not only the energetic field of the doctor, it's really um, merging and and all this uh, positive thinking and and thinking on a positive outcome and expectations of the doctors are getting somehow in a, you know, surreal, mystical, quantum way being translated to that pet. But also... The, the intention of the doctor is, is just to have that visualize the outcome of that. So 
you tend to materialize or attract what you most think about, right? That's uh, another one of the, those precept, precepts. Um, and so if you're thinking about this uh, pet, making it, doing it, or if you think that this is uh, too hard to overcome, then you probably are going to be right either way. So why not aim to have a better uh, outcome? That's my, that's where I, my feeling about it. So let's just even, I mentioned the placebo. So let's just first start with the placebo. So the placebo is just means that just by believing that your treatment is effective, believing that this, what they gave you, it's going to heal you, the patient actually experiences healing. And it could be a sugar pill, but the patient really has the firm belief that they are giving him a life-saving treatment, and then voila. About 35% of the cases, is he- they are actually spontaneous healings, remissions, with just sugar pills. And I feel like the science discounts the effect of the placebo, you know, and, and not pay more attention. I'm totally fascinated by it. Other than for um, the scientific method in which you always have a control group and a placebo group or, you know, and then you have the experimenting group and just so that you get uh, results, you have to be better than the placebo. But then again, you forget that 35%, that's a darn chunk. Three out of seven animals will get healed by placebo, by the animal feeling that they're going to make it. So there is a, an article that it was really interesting. It was called The Placebo Prescription by Margaret Talbot. And it was in the New York, New York Times Magazine in 2000. And what I like about that that was that it was a compilation of different placebo experiments and, you know, the amazing results. And one of the, the placebos, the experiments that I really changed my mind and, and started me in that uh, healing with intention path was the one in which they gave asthmatics. They were trying this... Um, bronchial dilators, and uh, so they gave asthmatics uh, bronchial dilators that they were testing, and some of them were nothing. They didn't have any medication in it. Yet, they saw physiological changes. I mean, the the bronchials dilated with just air and just thinking that they're getting this uh, drug and it's just mist that they're taking in. And can you imagine all the biochemical reactions that needed to take place for these airways to enlarge. I mean, it's amazing that just the thought, the belief that they're getting medicine actually caused a physical change that was measurable. And so uh, how can we garnish that power of the placebo in Using it for healing our pets, I think we need to learn that perhaps with the dogs, you know, they don't have a belief system. So you say, well, you can't use the placebo in that sense. But do they? Do dogs feel love? They feel cared for? They feel like uh, your love and, and your intention? I feel, again, 
the previous chapter was necessary before we talked about intention about the energetic field. So when you have a pet and it's very ill and you're saying to yourself, oh, I think this is it. You know, I don't see how he's going to get out of it. The pet is actually getting all that feelings from you. So that that's probably affecting the will to live on that pet and, and probably not engaging that placebo effect that we are after. Uh, the opposite, you know, rings true. If, if you have an ill, very ill pet, but you're still very care for, caring for them and, 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 you know, setting, do the setting, the appropriate setting of, of nurturing that pet and also, you know, just loving thoughts and, and visualizing the outcome being great and uh, visualizing, you know, going, you know, to take the dog to the beach, you know, oh, if, when you get better, we're going to, to the beach and just uh, talking and thinking and acting as if the disease process is temporary and that you have a goal in mind. I really think that the outcome can be changed by that. And the pet feels that and, and it just inspires them to to turn that button on where our own chemistry in our brain, their pharmacy that we have up there starts producing all those substances that we need to heal ourselves. Those um, interlooking alpha, those uh, T cells, all of them just line up and start to multiply and decide to attack whatever it is that is attacking the system. And so uh, I think that we can understand a little bit how we can help our pets uh, when we are around them, when we provide a sense of safety, of connection, a positive environment, that I think as a caregiver, we that's our responsibility. And as a doctor, it's my responsibility to believe that what I'm doing for that pet is going to uh, change, you know, the the current health status. Um, I, I had to tell you guys, I've been called an optimistic fool and I'm just proud of that, you know, <laughs> criticism. Um, because I, I am, I really think... Um, Life is only one. I'd rather look at it in a positive uh, lens. Everything, my perspective is, um, y you know, I can do better. It can be better. It will get better. It's getting better. And so when I, uh, I'll tell you one, one really uh, poignant uh, event that happened in my life. So I, I've been a vet for 26 years, but about about 14 years into it, um, I went to a conference and I was sitting in as an emergency uh, lecture on autoimmune hemolytic anemia. So I got to sit right next to our, at that time, point in time, she was the doctor that was um, in the local emergency here in a Parkway emergency in Polk County. And uh, this is many years ago. She's not there anymore. But um, she was the main doctor there for years, you know. And so we sat. We, oh, we, we sat next to each other. And we were happy, you know, colleagues and from the same place. And so we're looking at the lecture, uh, listening to the lecture. And the lecture, 
uh, goes through what causes autoimmune hemolytic anemia and the whole condition and treatments options and then the conclusion of the speaker was that oh uh, this is a very high fa- uh, high fatality rate and uh, Sally there's not much you can do I mean maybe when you see it early but usually when it goes to emergency it all ends up in putting the animals down it doesn't matter what you do and I just I was just shocked and I'm sitting learning this and I'm thinking to myself but but that's not true up to 14 years every single patient that I have autoimmune hemolytic anemia had lived because I've never heard that it was such high fatal disease I always thought oh you know it's just a matter of giving a blood transfusion and suppressing the immune system and doing these things. And I had my little protocol going and never had I lost one patient. And so that, that just rubbed me wrong. And so I turned to the side and talked to the doctor and I said, can you believe this joker? You know, how could he dare say that? Um, that's not true. That's very treatable. And then she turned to me and said, no, 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 he's right. When it comes to emergency, it's an eight out of 10, eight, eight out of 10 will die. And I was like in shock. And so <clears throat> that's what is called bias confirmation, right? I saw it from the expert out there saying that that's the way it is and then I turned to a colleague which I was expecting her to deny that and then she confirmed it so it it I I can only tell you that the universe and the serendipity of the universe is incredible because as I came out from that uh came back from the conference same week I received an, an autoimmune hemolytic anemia patient so I did the same thing that I've done for 14 years and this patient after two transfusions it didn't get better and he died and I was devastated and I thought to myself well maybe I was lucky for 14 years and I didn't realize but this is a very highly fatal disease so I guess you know I just had to you know understand this and now I learned that so that's the truth so guess what? Because, again, the universe works in mysterious ways. Same week, I get another autoimmune hemolytic case. And so I'm doing the same things, and then I decided to try some of the alternative, um, uh, the new drugs that are out there for the treatment of it. Uh, their chemotherapy, really heavy doses of it. So not only did I did my whole thing, and it didn't look like it was doing anything, so I then tried the new treatment that I had learned in that conference, and guess what? This patient died three days later, and I was stunned. And I had a lot of soul searching. I thought, did, did the chemo, I've never used the chemo for it, and I was like, did the chemo drug? Did it, did it actually cause harm? It looked like it was at least stable. And then once I did the new protocol that I learned, it kind of like really definitely went down. And so I was, I, I started to meditate. The good thing about myself is that I go in. When, I have, when I'm confronted with something that doesn't, that the clashes, that is causing me uh, turbulence, I go inwards and, and 
And you can say that I pray and prayer and meditation to me are interchangeable because when you pray, you're in deep meditation. You're, you're seeking higher understanding. You, you can call it God or the universe, um, your inner self, true self. But you are deep in that state of surrender and you just want the help right and usually meditation is the same you know i empty my brain and i just uh, you know chant and repeat my mantra and then just stay in meditation so i went into deep in meditation prayer and i realized that i i had a situation where i have 14 years of results and then in one weekend of a conference I undid the results because I believed in what I heard in the conference and in the confirm bias confirmation of my colleague. And that moment, I made a decision. Autoimmune hemolytic anemia is totally treatable, and I have awesome results, and I'm not going to lose one more patient to it ever. And I have to tell you, that was roughly 11 years ago. I have only lost one patient. And it was actually because the owners, you know, decided to know, forego treatment. Um, but what happened immediately, again, because it always comes in trees, two weeks after I did that decision, I lost that patient. I was really bummed and, and sad. Two weeks later, I get the last chance, the chance to really prove to myself that um, I got this uh, lesson that the life was giving me. I got it down right. And I did. This patient came. I looked at him lovingly, and I said, it was a Pekingese too. And I said, uh, you're going to go through it. I talked to the owner, very positive terms. And this is what I noticed before. I had mentioned to the owners that this was a highly fatal disease that we were in dire straits because that's, I repeated what I learned and that, and I had never done that before. I said, no, we're just going to do some blood work. And I maybe had downplayed it a little bit. And I felt awful at the conference because I thought, oh my God, all these years I've been downplaying this situation. Um, but then I went back to it, uh, to this owner. I said, you know, don't worry. You did the right thing. You brought her in. Um, we're going to do blood work and uh, we're going to do everything in my power and uh, we're going to get through this. And it's going to require, you know, long-term medication, but we, we can deal with this. And the owner was like, oh, okay, well, I'll leave her with you. And she left her with me. And I immediately uh, did the protocol that I've done for 14 years. And guess what? This one lived perfectly fine, did a great recovery. And... Um, the owner was none the wiser as to all the turmoil in my mind. And, you know, like her dog was being, you know, my, I guess, my holy grail, you know, trying to find my mojo. And I did. I did find my mojo back. And then from that moment on, uh, I still have to go to conference because we are required to uh, accumulate minimum of 32 um, credits, educational credits every two years. And I... And for AHA, I actually need that every year. And we're um, American Animal Hospital Association um, certified, which means I have to have 32 credits a year um, 
28 to 32 credits a year on a continuing education. But now I choose my <laughs> continuing education wisely. And I take it with a grain of salt. I, I go with the, oh, is that so attitude? Oh, is that so? And then, you know, take what I take what I see from them is that I, I realize that they are scientists speaking out there, but they're also practitioners. So they are speaking from their results, from what they have encountered. And so, it, you know, it's a biased presentation. The, their presentation is biased for what they have seen and how they have reacted to their treatments. And so I realized that that day, and it served me well since. And I've been more of a picker um, you know, picky about what I let in my mind. And it doesn't have to even be veterinary related. What you learn in your mind is your own business, you know. Other people, I, I feel like people are like garbage trucks. They're always bringing your garbage. Um, and you have to decide, are you going to be a receptacle and receive that garbage? Or are you going to say, just keep on driving with your garbage around town because I'm not going to get it. So I'm definitely not a garbage can. And so anyways, but what does this relate, all this rumbling relates to uh, how we treat? Because again, uh, there's also a nocebo effect. So the placebo has, everything is yin and yang. If you have a placebo, a positive results by a belief, then you also have a nocebo, which is a negative results from a belief. And so if a pet, if a pet owner comes to me and says, oh, I don't really, I don't know about this, 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 this putting this animal under anesthesia. I try to assure them uh, that everything's going to be taken care of, that, that we're taking, I show them the, the machine. If they're in doubt, I show them my protocol, I'm very open with them and I see their reaction. And if they don't feel comfortable with it, I tell them, I tell them, well, I, we're not going to do anything. And they say, well, why? And I said, because I need you to be 100% supportive. I need you to be 100% positive of the outcome. I cannot have any doubts. I cannot have these fears because that is negative energy and that's nocebo and that's going to affect my treatment. <laughs> and I called them out. And, um, you know, again, the, 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 your kitty, your, your dog doesn't have to believe in my treatment. I have to believe in my treatment. You have to, you as a pet owner, have to believe that my treatment is going to be effective and that you're going to do everything in your power for that pet to get over the situation. And so throughout my book, I'm, I'm just going to be, you know, I, I'm just going to put a lot of examples. And I really, when you look at those cases, um, there you're just going to be cases that perhaps... Um, in other regular non-integrative practitioners, uh, they might have really bad results or it might have been a sure death sentence, but they aren't with me. And the reason is, again, I'm not like a super doctor or anything. I'm just a very positive, and uh, I claim the title, Optimistic Fool. And so I'm going to do my best to, to be the, the positive force behind that treatment. Um, I also wanted to talk about the intention, uh, because I'm Puerto Rican. If there's any, any part of the world that has more superstition than us, I don't even know. 
But it's definitely true a lot in America. I feel that they were the same. We have a lot of, you know, superstition, uh, folklore. And uh, as a Catholic, you know, I uh, grew up, growing up Catholic, I know that there's a lot of uh, unexplained um, miracles and uh, a lot of the prayer, you know, that, that actually works. I've seen it work in my life in, in situations when my family um, had had difficult times and where people have prayed for us and, and, and not just a little prayer, but, but constant prayer has actually made the difference. And so I can only translate that and use it in my daily practice. So I'm not ashamed to say that I belong to several prayer uh, groups in Facebook and in real life, but in Facebook, and I actually put really hard cases when I have critical patients, I put them on those prayer groups. I say the name, put a picture of them, and said, just look at them and pray for them uh, to get better. And some people might be totally skeptical, and that's okay, but I tell you that every single that I post in there. I never had to post back and said, oh, thank you for your prayers. This one passed away. Nope, they all make it. And so I, I really think that the power of prayer is something that we can, um, we can harness. How will prayer or meditating, if you don't want to say prayer, can help them recover? Well, there actually are scientific papers that are trying to understand the mechanism of intention, healing, and prayers. Um, there's an institution, the National Institute of Health, uh, has actually budgeted um, money to fund studies to prove or disprove uh, the healing modalities. Because a lot of people say, well, there's no study saying this. But there aren't stu- a lot of studies um proving that it doesn't work either. And so the NIH uh, has been trying to fund some of these studies. And um, and a, a lot of the ways that I, in my reading about it, my research, that I've seen that they kind of explain the prayer is that the prayer is a form of meditation and a way to engage the placebo effect. Um, also, they say, well... It's just a coincidence that it was a spontaneous remission of the disease at the same time that people were praying. So they just call it coincidence. Um, I don't know, but at a certain point, there's a mathematical point where coincidence just become, you know, a statistic and a proven statistic, right? And so uh, it, is it because you are engaging the placebo effect or is it because it's just coincidence um, regardless, it's, it's out there, it's free, it's, uh, it's easy. Um, the meditation has been scientifically proven to have a lot of benefits, decreasing stress, improving focus, and boosting the immune system. And so we know when the person is praying, is focusing on a particular pet, they are entering a meditative-like uh, trance, and they are going to benefit themselves. And uh, how does that travel, that awesome, beautiful, loving thought travels and gets into the pet is because our thoughts are a form of energy 
And in quantum physics, it's explained uh, that our thought produces waves uh, with information. And so that information is vibrating, is going, is not contained within the barriers of our skin, is not contained with the barriers or anything. Most like I explained before in the energetic field chapter, it's like the waves that make your uh, phone, your Bluetooth uh, work. They are everywhere. They go through walls. They go through everything. So our thoughts are um, mini uh, cell cell phone power, uh, just emitting thoughts, emitting, uh, vibrating. And so if this is true, you know, that our thoughts are emission of energy that carry information, then, well, let's just harness these thoughts. Um, let's just focus uh, our thoughts into healing a specific pet. And so that's what I do. That's what I recommend you do. Um, it, it's definitely something that uh, will help your whole life, you know, changing this outlook in life. Um, and experiments in quantum physics continue to show that if you observe an electron, an electron is a small unit of energy, you can change its behavior. Um, this is the famous study where they put the lights and they do slits. And so uh, they're trying to predict where the electrons go through. And then they realize that in some times the electron behave as a particle, but in some, some other times they behave like a wave. In other words, when we focus our attention and thoughts on something, we actually affect it physically. We can affect the things that we're focusing on physically. Let that sink in. So, also, there's a, another explanation in my mind. The pets are always looking at you. Dogs are um, known to be one of the few animals, uh, actually probably the only one. You would think that it would be monkeys since we're so closely related. But dogs can actually read human emotions. They understand what a smile is. They understand pointing. They understand a lot of things. And so they, your dog that loves you in, unconditionally is very uh, in tune with your moods and your feelings and can see you and behave accordingly. And so the opposite is true, you know. Um, their behavior affects our moods. And so when you pet or a dog or a cat, it's been known to lower the blood pressure and to decrease stress, release oxytocin. And so these are changing the neurochemistry of your brain, right? So this is a physical effect. It makes sense if you conversely, obsessively fix our thoughts on the worst outcome that we are going to slow down the pet's healing process. You're actually physically affecting that animal. And uh, how does I translate that in my practice, not only with your pet, um, but in general, is that high, we are a low-stress handling uh, practice. We all have been educated on low-stress low handling, and we are a uh, feline-certified uh, practice, uh, which means that we've taken a lot of extra um, training into how to decrease uh, the stress 
when we handle pets, specifically cats. And um, we do have an animal behaviorist on staff, which is a very rare commodity. And we're very grateful for Marco Maggiolo, who has a master degree. It's a veterinarian from Brazil, but has a master degree in um, animal behavior. And so uh, we constantly do um, trainings for um, staff and uh, our clients. Uh, we offer webinars and presentations on on that, on how to address problem behaviors, how to reward training, how to um, just strengthen the bond between the pets. Um, I'm actually currently doing my certification in human-animal bond um, certification. So I, I really am fascinated by that bond. Um, and the prime directive we live by is we must approach all animals with intention intention of a quick, safe, and productive visit. And uh, as many of my clients will tell you, if the pet is coming in a state of fear or, or, or you know, um, defensive, uh, we oftentimes will actually schedule the visit for another day, just give them some gabapenting or trazodone and say, you know, give them this to relax them before they come, half an hour before they come here, and then let's try it again. And a lot of people tell me that their pets have never behaved that well as they are with me, especially new clients and with cats, because we never rush to grab a cat out of their carrier. We um, we have pheromones in the rooms. We have a specific cat room. We spray with pheromones to calm them down. We use towels that are sprayed with pheromone. Oh, I spray myself with pheromones before I, I meet the cats. And so when I go in there, I don't, uh, I don't try to grab the cat immediately because that in the cat world is an act of aggression. And if you, if you're being aggressive towards me, then my response is gonna be to be aggressive towards you. So I am persuasive, not aggressive, with cats. And then the same with dogs. With the dogs, I, I go, I use a lot of positive reinforcement, which is peanut butter in every room. People know that and all the treats that we use. And so we use a lot of treats um, and positive, uh, good boy, you know, I call everybody Mama Linda, Papa Lindo, you know. So people know that we are verbally and more importantly with our with our actions, we're, we're saying to the pets, we come in peace, but also with our thoughts. Um, when I see my pet manners include just complimenting my pets uh, immediately and people laugh um, because uh, sometimes ignore the the owner and just go straight to the pet or um, but what I'm trying to do what uh, what they don't see is me inside I'm coming with that energy I'm your friend I want to help you let me help you thank you for letting me help you and then visualizing the whole visit coming really good and so I, you know, my staff call me the cat whisperer because, um, you know, I really just have that special bond with cats. And, um, you know, I, I've heard about animal communicators. And like I said before, I didn't know how they work. And I thought that they were just charlatans. But 
I, you know, in researching a little bit, I can, I have to agree that some people have a very strong intuition and some people have very uh, good ability, vivid imagination, vivid ability to transmit thoughts in forms of pictures, you know, like you just picture something and transmit it to the animal and they receive it. That's how supposedly the animal communicators work. And the funny thing is that how that is exactly how I work. And so it's very useful tool to visualize. And I teach my staff to try to do that and they laugh because I never miss a vein. And like I said before, I just visualize the vein being there and uh, even with fat and hair and whatever, um, obviously knowing the anatomy, knowing where it is supposed to be. But um, I just teach them that and teach them to always ask permission to the cat and to the dog, you know, and tell them that it's going to be okay. Because when you say, don't worry, it's going to be okay, you can't say something that nice and comfort comforting and not mean it. Like it doesn't come, you know, you can't even come, or at least I can't, I can't fake it like that. So I have to say it and then they just immediately, whatever vibe that thought comes with that energetic packet that I'm sending of information that I'm sending, it just immediately relaxes the animals. And so I, I really had a lot of doubters um, that think that I'm making all of these things up, but um, it's in an instant uh, a lot of really wild dogs that you couldn't touch the nail, so you couldn't do this. And they calm when I go with uh, towards them. They just they become very calm. And so a lot of people have told me that the famously aggressive cats are dogs. They behave ten times better, and s- or even like uh, very very different with me. And so I think that um, my staff really have bought that into the intention healing because I always tell them and repeat it. And uh, probably in the beginning, they might thought that I was a little, maybe they thought that I was a little um, peculiar, but now they know <laughs> that I mean it. Um, uh, we try to find just ways to convey our love and compassion to all the pets under our care. And, uh, and after surgical procedures, for example, we don't put them immediately in a cage. We do cuddles. And a lot of people think that's crazy, but uh, even if the dogs are not the cuddly type, we do we do have that uh, fa- uh, skin to skin connection, that that heart to heart, that closeness, and especially when they becoming uh, you know co- coming out of the anesthesia because they are very confused. They go through this uh, this associative phase on anesthesia, and so. When they're wrapped in a blanket, when they're closed, when somebody's talking to them, that really calms them down a lot. And so I like I like that our practice. <clears throat> and then another thing that um, that we tried to do is uh, again the the chemical sense, the pheromones in the cages when they're staying in the cages, the the we put towels, obviously, so it's soft, but also the pheromones uh, in, in really helps to calm down the hospitalized pets or if they're waiting for treatment or we're ob- in observation, they really calm down. Um, uh, the funny thing is even the ones that are not there for, um, 
for being anything medical because remember my practice uh, also boasts a big boarding area. Lodging is is part of what I do and I felt necessary because um, when I first moved to this area, you know, 24 years ago, I had two big German shepherds and they were really sweet but they were giant and they very menacing looking. And so I couldn't find a place where I felt that they, that they did well, you know, and so that therefore I couldn't travel, couldn't go anywhere because I didn't feel comfortable leaving my dogs anywhere. And so I learned that, uh, to me, that was a necessary thing to provide in this county. And so that's why I opened my lodging area. And um, the the world suites, they are little little rooms, and they have beds and TVs, and they watch dog TV, and um, they have music, and they also have cameras. So if the owners want to watch their pets or check on their pets, they can. And they also have um, interactive playtime. And I feel like... Uh, all the efforts I'm trying to just soothe them and to have them experience something good. Like uh, when people go on vacation, don't think you're punishing your pets by living with with us. Your pets are going to go on vacation too. So that's what motivates me to do that. But also because um, that's part of being a happy pet, um, a happy dog, a happy cat. And when they come to the medical part, same building, medical part, if they have boarded with us, 99% of the times when they go to the medical, they are calm, they are happy, they they know, oh, we came here and we had a good time. Oh, we came here, yeah, they loved on us. We got a lot of cookies here. You know, they, they just have a, a positive impression on the building, and so it helps our medical side a lot. And... Um, I had one pet that I have to mention, and I mentioned it in the book. Uh, she passed away in an old age, but she was a, a cocker spaniel. Her name was Maggie Lee, and she was just a very good and conditioned pet. She came with us uh, daycare very, rec- you know, very uh, frequent, and uh, she was just she adored the kennel staff. Uh, she didn't need, need to be walked into the hospital. She will pull the owner into our hospital. The owner will let go of the of the uh, leash, which I know is kind of crazy, but Miss Magley never, never had a, a mean bone. But she immediately run and rushed to the kennel attendant immediately. Happy, forgot about the owner. The owner always uh, made the joke, oh, she doesn't care about me. I'm just the driver to the daycare to see her people. <laughs> And it was just, she always had a, a, you know, a really happy time there. And we all loved her. But when she went to medical, number one, she knew she was a medical, but she was a lot better with us if we called one of the kennel attendants uh, that she loved. And then, you know, they will assist us and they w- she would be perfect with them. Same with our sweet Sasha, rest in peace. She was an Alaska Malamute, came every single day day of her life Monday to Friday for about 10 years um, and uh, we we loved her she was part part-time our pet and uh, but the 
the few times that we would have like uh, holidays so we wouldn't 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 do daycare the dog will pout not eat be miserable at home uh, it was so much so that we decided to make an exception and Sasha had to come even on holidays um, for daycare so I mean many of our clients tell us you know they love that about us when their pets come they want to come and that's what I wish to every clinic out there you know to have that kind of nurturing environment in which the pets love to come but it's the intention behind it so when I founded the hospital I had that intention I want to be a a one-stop place for all pet owners needs but I want to be that nurturing caring compassionate place for my pets and that is my guiding light in my practicing 26 year entering my 27 year of practice um, so again, uh, another thing with the healing with intention, I- intention and intuition, you know, we have to mention intuition. Also the intuition is sometimes I, ha- I trust that I trust what, what's the vibe, what's the feeling in the, in, in my treatment. And oftentimes I mention the treatment that I want out, out, out loud. And then all of a sudden I said, no, 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 no. I'm not doing that antibiotic or I'm not doing this. And the techs have learned not to immediately do what I say because they always, they always kind of waiting for me to change my mind or something is like, is this a go because of that? Because I have the, I trust the intuition. Um, and I mentioned, you know, the, this, you know, the episode on the pet that had died on the energetic field and she felt it while she was out. Um, but it's just like that. I, I have, if, if, if I or the owner have a strong opposition against a procedure or a risk, we, we feel this risk is, is not worth doing that procedure because of the risk, then I can just recommend something I don't feel uh, in my gut, in that intuition and that, that, that reaction, bodily reaction that is trying to communicate to my brain that they just, it's a feeling, a belief, an energy that I'm picking up that I cannot say, put it into words, just a feeling. So then I trust that from the owner and I trust that from myself. Um, but intention healing is just another tool in my treatment box. I know that skeptics are going to be out there saying, oh, that's not effective or, you know, you just can't, you know, bank on on you praying over this pet and getting better. But a mindful act attitude towards each pet, I feel, and using a positive um, outlook in the treatments and visualizing the perfect outcome for each c- case, I feel that is not just going to be effective. I, you can trust my word that it's effective, but if you don't, then at least you go through life um, getting to work in a wonderful nurturing environment. And as um, a bonus that you go through life in a way better frame of mind, a more positive outlook on life. So... If you like my Healing with Intention uh, conversation, then 
uh, prepare for our next chapter, which is healing with acupuncture, because that's where I shine, I promise. Well, thanks so much for listening, guys. And uh, information about this episode came from my book, Alvet, The Revolutionary Pet Care and Longevity Solution, available in Amazon at our clinic and soon to be an audiobook. So look forward to that. And this episode was sponsored by my practice, Orchid Springs Animal Hospital. And our website is www.osahvsinvictorets.com, osavets.com. There's a lot of information out there if you want some more information on integrative pet healing. And our Pet Healer podcast is going to be available in all platforms. So we're looking forward to seeing you again.